What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Money Podcast. We're t- putting up the gloves today, me and JJ. Dude called me out, as you will find out, and wants to have a little investing challenge, but all jokes aside, it was, it was planned, and there's a reason why we did it. Like, we're not just doing it. It wasn't even supposed to be a YouTube thing. It was more supposed to be how... We'll, we'll, we'll talk about why we actually did it and what our goals are with this challenge and where we just got some money to put into a challenge, things like that. If you are new to this podcast, my name is Brad Finn. I am joined every single week with JJ Buckner. And JJ, I got to know, the other day we looked, it was 1400 bucks for you to fly here. You said it dropped to 1100 Are you coming? Oh, dude, it's 1120 to be exact. I'll be honest with you. I would love, I would, if I see the tickets drop at like a grand even or like just under a thousand, I will book the trip even if it's last minute. I even told Lindsay, I was like, be prepared because my family, my, my parents are coming up to visit. Okay. So, like, we got babysitters. So, I told Lindsay, I was like, be prepared. If I see these ticket prices fall, we're booking, we're booking the, uh, the flights. Cause that would be, this is gonna come out on Monday the 15th or something like that. And, I'm literally trying to get you to come in like two weeks, like the 24th, 25th, because like I've mentioned so many times, this is like the best part to be on Long Island. Like yeah. the humidity is a little meh, but I mean, oh, just so many, like, if just the beaches. I know you just got back from Hawaii, so it's tough to top that, but I was saying it's a different type of beach. Yeah, no, I think it'd be fun, you know, and it'd be a beach with, you know, with friends too, because in Hawaii, it was just me, Lindsay, and the kids which was great you know but it'd be nice to cut up the rug a little bit and you know tie one on maybe i want to i want to take Lindsay to new york city too man she's never yeah. been do some touristy stuff out there uh so yeah we'll, we'll see i've been told it's the greatest city in the world dude i'll tell you what man and i know i've said this before in the podcast but like i told you when you picked me up last time there's something about the aura in new york when you show up, like it motivates the hell out of me. I don't know if it's just like the history of the city, yeah. seeing what's been built, the wealth that's been created. I was watching a documentary on something with with New York City, and like it was more like real estate focused, but there was some other stuff in there, just like the businesses that have been built throughout the years of the history of New York. Dude, it's, it's crazy. Hey, real quick before we get into the episode, I got a little money win today. I want to talk about. Love money wins. I want to say I want to I, I want to say this is a money win because it needs to be known that you can do this kind of stuff. And this is why we have this podcast is to share things that we have learned along the way of our money journey, whatever that is. So I have some, uh, okay. So I was looking at it. I'll try to make this really quick. I was trying to look at a rental property here in town. I was going to purchase. There was some mold underneath the crawl space. There was some water sitting in the crawl space, major foundation issues. I was doing some research here on mold, just trying to learn more about it, how I can get rid of it, you know, different, different ways to, to look at it. Well, I was looking through pictures and I saw some uh, a joists on or on joists that are underneath your house, like your flooring, your subfloor. I saw some of the mold on there and I was like, "What the heck? That actually looks really familiar. I think I have some of that downstairs." I thought it was like dirt, you know, from just being an old house. I walked downstairs and it looked exactly like it. It looked like mold, but it was dead. It wasn't alive. It's not like black or anything. It's actually from that's the not the previous owners, but the owners before that. I know the people I bought the house from. They said when they moved in, there was a bunch of mold down in the basement. So I think that may have been just left over that died throughout the years. Anyways, long story short, had a, a guy come in, gave me a bid to clean it all out, get everything clean. And 
the estimate he gave me was uh, thirty two hundred dollars, and or actually it was thirty seven to be honest. But then there's a couple items I took off, and I called him. I was like, "Hey, bud," and like being in the construction industry, I kind of know like how to talk to these guys too. But to be honest, if you just call and ask, "Hey, I wasn't expecting it to be this high." what can we do here? You know, I don't want to go overboard because there's no, there's no live mold in my basement. I'm just cleaning off stuff that's dead. So then I called him, we talked, we got it down to, I got a thousand dollars knocked off by him just kind of doing a couple different things or whatever. And then, so I was at 2,200 and some change. So I told Lindsay, I was like, I really want to do this. I want to get this done. I don't want this mold coming back to life because it's already down there. I just want to get it done. So I told her, I was like, I'm going to try and get two even. If I can get two even, I'm set. Again, still a little more than I was expecting to spin, but knowing I saved that much already from the original estimate, I felt good. Got it. Check mark done. He agreed. So two grand. That was my money win. It was like twelve hundred dollars I saved just from asking. You know, I could have easily just accepted the estimate, right. swiped the card, and, and you know, good to go. But no, man, like you gotta try and you gotta try and look out for you and your family. And if there's ways you can kind of get around a little bit to negotiate, negotiation is power. Yeah, because you didn't ask. go like, whoa, 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 no. whoa. Yeah. It was totally cool You're about just it. Like, you were like, whoa. Um, wasn't expecting this. Need like, the job, but I wasn't expecting that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I think he kind of read it. Like, I wasn't going to pay for that. I wasn't. I wasn't going to spend that money. That is a win, though, because I'm not the guy that would negotiate it. I would have swiped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have been like, and then I would have whined to my wife. And then I would have whined <laughs> to you. And then yeah. you would have told me and the then story. I said. And I would have felt like a huge <laughs> donkey. Huge donkey. Oh, man. So that's my money win for the episode. Yeah. Money wins. Never be afraid to ask, guys. The worst they can say is no, and you're right back to where you started. The only money win I had today was a $331 premium on Tattoo Chef, but we'll talk about that. Yep. Inside this episode. But we got to talk about this little competition we got going on, bud. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning and how this all started. Well, I think everyone knows that we've been pooling some money together, both personal and as well as the business, the course that we what we have and the couple bucks that we've made from the podcast that isn't going to sending us back and forth. Yeah, we, we had some money and we really, in the beginning of this year, we said we wanted four buildings, right? We said we want to try and get one a quarter and see if we could do that. And we had the funds in the Kansas City market that we could have in December. <laughs> Things got really freaking crazy and we've made offers multiple offers we've put in 40 percent over ask yep and didn't even forty thousand over for, ask forty thousand over ask yeah but i think that house was like one hundred and twenty-five thousand. we said 165 Wasn't no it? the forty thousand was the fourplex oh uh, well regardless the single family, yeah it's, it's a lot well regardless we were planning on deploying cash like the podcast anything we make from this podcast we're just, it's ours. We're just, yeah. we're going to go on trips to see one another. We're going to make sure like audio is pretty good. We're, you know, and eventually we want to own properties. That's what we want to do. We already have had our own side businesses, but this is like a thing that we could do. Well, now it's June and we're like, we're, there's like, we're still making offers, but it's not looking good. And you're the one that was like, Hey, um, about this money, that we have in the bank sitting. account. <laughs> and I said, tell me more. <laughs> I was like, hey, you know, uh, I did some research. And actually, LLCs can open up brokerage accounts. 
Yes. I, I kind of like, I think I might've heard that, but I may not have believed it. But then I'm thinking to myself, like, what is Berkshire Hathaway? They're a holding company, right? They, mm-hmm. they have to make investments, I guess. Cause like, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, I'm I, sure Warren Buffett's not going to freaking Robin Hood, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I didn't know that because we were thinking like, all right, do we take money out and invest it ourselves and we'd have to put it back? But then like capital gains tax and things like that. We wanted, mm-hmm. we want this business to be legit. Yeah. So, and I was like, Oh, okay. So what, what do you want? So that was the first thing we were just going to open up the LLC and we were going to just invest some money and keep it in there for a while. And you know, we, it's not, it's not necessarily money that we would need right away, you know? So like if, if the market would happen to tank, we would just leave it in there, you know? So it's not like money we have to pull out. Right. So we, we once we put the money in there, we're like, okay, so how is this going to work? Because, you know, Brad's got his philosophies. He's got his companies he looks at, you know, and his way of investing, and I have mine. And, you know, I have my companies I'm looking at and stuff I'm bullish on or whatever. So I I, I, I think I texted you or we were calling, talking on the phone one night, and I was like, hey, what do you think about doing a little average money investing challenge? And I was like, let's throw 40K in the the account you get 20 i'll get 20 we'll keep track of the moves we make now i don't know when this is really going to end and i went like this <laughs> tell me more yeah and that was that was kind of it you know i mean so now we're we're starting to make moves a little bit we can get into that in a second but real quick i got to interrupt this for uh, announcement uh i made an announcement in facebook discord uh on my instagram average money merch is coming soon it's in the works it's in the design phase we'll have links down in descriptions whenever it's all set up and and good to go we've had a lot of people been asking for it i'm excited for this because this is going to represent that average money community average money a bunch of people who are doing above average things with money so i'm super excited to get that out we'll have a couple we'll have some hats t-shirts hoodies stuff like that you guys can represent the average money community and to link merch directly through youtube we need ten thousand subscribers so if you are not subscribed yes to the yep. youtube channel please at least for that reason so we can i mean we're very far from ten thousand, but it makes it so much easier for both the consumer and us when we can link everything right through uh youtube and i do want to say this because I, I when i made the video about this i felt i always feel like slimy making it think that we're just using money as a play toy. And I wanted people, I want to just say right off the bat before we leave a bad taste, like what's in there is a majority of years of savings, first and mm-hmm. foremost. Like we don't just like bend over and say, hey, you got 20 grand, I got 20 grand. Let's put 20 grand in F around. Like yeah. it wasn't like that. It was not as simple conversation as you made it seem. Like we really went back and forth because, like you mentioned, we do have different trading philosophies and just want people to know that like we are treating the money as though it's ours but we're having fun with it but we're there's no yolo here because i think i mentioned in one of my comment sections like as long as the account goes up we both win mm-hmm. so that's a really good thing and if i don't say it like if i don't think of it remind me because somebody asked me well neither of you guys picked vtsax or vti <laughs> And and we did talk about that. So just make sure that I bring VTSAX okay. and VTI because that's what we claim to be fanboys and we're not on Vanguard and yeah. there's no VTI, VTSAX so yet. Yet. Yep. All right. So 
we put 20K, well, we put 40K in. That was an amount that we felt like we could take a 20% correction and not be absolutely screwed and still be able to achieve the goals that we want to achieve. So like, that's really where we came to the 40. I would have loved to came to like 50 is nice round, but we really looked at the percentages and we're like yeah. 40. I, if we take a 20% slaughter, 30% slaughter on 40,000, that would have been okay. But 50, we probably would have been pretty upset. It was a little more been like, eh, should we really have done that much? Exactly. Type thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I think 40 is a good number. I think it is. So do you, are you ready to get into kind of like the moves we're making and, and what our thought process is for this? So like here's the here's the first part. We don't really know when this is going to end. Like I don't think there's like an end date. Um, yeah. So we, we, we're not sure about that yet. And things will, I'm sure, change, you know, as time goes on. But this isn't a like two-month deal. You know, this is a long, drawn-out thing that Brad and I are going – because we preach long-term investing – so, you know, this if, one if we, might not be, well, it depends. It depends on what our goal, like what happens. Like if, if we see a, you know, a smoking deal in real estate, then yeah, we'll probably pull a bunch of money out. But as of now, the, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, but the length of the challenge is really kind of until the next thing happens, you know? And I think that's really why we didn't go VTSAX and VTI right now, because like I said, if, if the market bubble pops, the real estate bubble, or at least levels out a little bit, gets a little bit more normal, this shit might be over in a month. Because if we want that money out, if things start picking up and we got to deploy cash, I look at VTI and VTSAX as a decade of savings, like getting that 7% every year. This where we really don't know now, if this real estate thing continues for another month or two, yeah, we might, I, I well, I can't talk for you, but I might start to switch a little bit into that and just see, or at least keep that as like maybe a bonds holding something that's a little bit more steady. If if it seems risky or if the things that I do seem risky, they're calculated, but they are definitely mm-hmm. geared towards the short term moves. Oh, I'm still 75% cash. I know. Well, the, account. the first thing you said, JJ texts me and I'm, I'm at the airport going to Denver and <laughs> JJ texts me, he goes, money's live. I said, can we begin? Cause we went back and forth. Like, do we need to approve trades with one another? Do we yeah. need to do this that, and the other thing? And we were kind of like, I trust you. You trust yeah. me. Like, just don't do anything stupid. If it doesn't feel, yeah, it's kind of like when we talk in public, like if it feels good to you, stick with that, yeah. you know? And, uh, I jumped right in, boom, hundred shares of Apple right from the gun. Literally, you- so I get alerts <laughs> on my phone and I, I literally, Brad just, te- or I just text Brad. And then all of a sudden it says, you have purchased 100 shares of Apple. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy didn't waste any damn time. And then before you could text me, you got, Brad just sold a covered call, covered on, call Apple. on Apple. <laughs> so and I was like, all right, it started. Let's go, baby. Good move, by the way. Thank Great you. Great move, by so the way. So let me explain some things, and Aaron's in here because Aaron's my financial advisor. So, uh, <laughs> when, because <laughs> he's a lot smarter than me. So, if I'm going to do something, I always like to run it by him and get his opinion. And I was actually, there's a couple stocks I was going back and forth with. I won't tell you all the ones I was thinking of, but Disney was on the list and he's a big Disney. He, he knows Disney he lives right by one of the Disney's. So he knows like more than just like, don't F with the mouse. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. He told me Apple doesn't taste good in his mouth at all. He's like, he was kind of in my video today when I was like mocking the 52 week high, Brad, you know, like they, they are like Apple's at pretty much a 52 week high. And 
I went with them anyway. I was looking at them, Microsoft, because I wanted I wanted a nice blue chip staple to start with. Like mm-hmm. that conservative side, like Apple, yeah, they might get a correction. They, they could, any stock can just dive tomorrow. Yeah. But I was like, I have a, I have a good feeling that it's at least going to go up. And I knew that the premiums on the covered calls were not terrible. And mm-hmm. if Apple isn't going up, it doesn't do like it's not unpredictable. It either goes up, it goes down, or it trades flat. From what I've seen in a in a general idea. So right now I'm riding the it's going up. Now, my goal and my hope is that it goes up and then goes to a plateau, a flat, but that's great for the covered call as well. And even when it does go down, then we'll sell some puts on it and it won't be that big of a deal because I can ride Apple up and down. But at the end of the day, if this goes a year, this this 52-week high, is it's going to be up in a year. So Mm -hmm. that was the first move I made and why I wanted, even though it was a large- So can I say, can I jump in here real quick? Because I'm going to give my difference. I want to kind of give my- so that let's it's safe to say Apple is a large chunk of your 20k. So that's what I was going to mention like there is a little piece of me that you know 14k was a big deal. It was a 143. I got it 143. I think today traded for 148. Yeah, you're so up it's like all, 500 or yeah, something. Yeah, so it's also doing really well for me, but back to that like I mentioned this in my video today. I am a lump sum investor. I hate Mhm. What what you're doing right now is like the person on their iPhone and it says like uh, 75 unread messages and I hate those people. <laughs> that little red dot with the emails, like 7,000 emails. I can't emails, do that either. But that's yeah, like I sitting on saying. cash for me because huh. I feel like it could just like, so my point being is like if I get a sign at 149 tomorrow or Friday, if I get a sign at 149, I'm going to make $600 in a week on that Apple Play. I, I don't know if... I'll come back down and do like like more stocks at a lower amount and not put such a huge nut into that. But it was more like get in with something I, that I know in my mind and that I don't need to think about. So now this whole week and change, I've been thinking about, yeah, if I get, get $15,000 back from Apple on Friday, am I going to sell a CSP on Apple again? It, I don't know yet. So here's my stay, thing. Stay tuned. But that was yeah. my, what was your first move? Because I mean, when when I did that, I assumed, and you texted me, I thought you'd come in. I thought you'd like dive in too, but you are so patient. I am patient. And I'm waiting for a couple reasons, which one of them didn't really play out, I guess, as much as I wanted to. So Jerome Powell had two meetings today with Congress, or I guess whatever you want to call them, you know, interviews or whatever. Uh, I was waiting to see what that did to the market this week. Because I knew that could definitely, ha- which we have seen in a lot of growth stocks. A lot of growth stocks got hammered today. Uh, you know, there's a couple of stocks that are down four or five percent. Palantir being one of them. Um, that's my second move I made. So my first move I made, which is going to be very controversial to some people. I thought that was your first one. Did I miss one? No, no, no. That was my second one I did. My first move was I purchased ten shares of Alibaba, a Chinese company. The reason I did that, my thought process is, I mean, we all are pretty much kind of familiar with Alibaba as a company, but a lot of people are worried about, you know, getting uh, delisted and stuff like that. I'll be honest with you. I think it's a lot of, a lot of fear around the Chinese companies right now. We hear this all the time. You know, I, I remember hearing about Chinese and deregulation and all this years ago, you know, years ago talking about this stuff. You know, Baba went through the same. So I guess the main worry here with, with Alibaba is if you guys have heard of Didi, it's like the Uber of China. They kind of rushed their IPO a little bit, right? 
and they jumped through a couple hoops to get you know on a u.s listing china was pissed about that and now they're having a bunch of things happen to dd they're trying to you know um, they're 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 trying to kind of not shut them down but they are definitely in fears of pulling them off and and whatnot so a lot of people are freaking out about you know all these other chinese jd.com tencent alibaba but you got to think baba went through the same ipo process as dd did i think there was a there's a couple articles i was reading on this and they said you know with so many people being worse worried about being delisted that the only real trouble troubles baba has is because you got to think guys like with these chinese companies they're still u.s based um you know like accountants whatever you want to call them analysts who are not analysts but like people are actually going into baba and like they're uh, i can't, can't think of the word right now but they do their like accounting for them and you know they, they there's a u.s hand in the the pot uh so the only thing i think that could really bring some troubles with with baba and these chinese companies is the approval for like additional share offerings since they did go through that IP, same ipo process as dd but like baba didn't like rush it like dd did or anything like that so that which any which if anything i would be totally fine if baba doesn't offer more share offerings because that's just gonna you know that's that's less shares that are out there in the market which in return is going to send my value up now this is a long-term hold for me as far as this account you know i don't plan on really selling it if it drops below my price i think i got in it like 206 it's like 211 212 somewhere right now um if it if it does take another big dip on some fear or some more news that comes out i'll probably be purchasing more i'm okay to get baba up to about like i'd be comfortable with like 40 percent in baba i would and I'll just keep, I'll be buying little chunks here and there if it goes lower. I probably won't buy any more for right now until, if unless it dips. Uh, so that was my thought process for the first move. And that first move right off the bat is something that you won't see from me. Pretty much every single move I'm going to make is going to be options based. I'm either buying a hundred shares or no shares. Like, yeah. that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what was the goal with 10 shares? Like, are they going to, you think they're going to grow faster than I could wheel 100 shares of a stock? Well, you got to think, man. I mean, Baba was up over $300 a few months ago. Uh, I'd have to pull up a, a chart and check. Okay. So, I mean, that's a, you know, if I own 10 shares at 300 So when you did, um, when you did- a thousand bucks. I mean- When you did 10 shares, was that like a percentage that you wanted to have in them? Did you look at that or was 10 just a nice round number and you went with that? No, it was a percentage-based thought process. I didn't want to unload like my first five to ten grand in Baba and then have it keep going down because right. of the fear. I kind of wanted to open up a small position, knowing that we could have some more backlash and more fear coming and more news coming about Chinese stocks. So I left me some money in the account to average down on if that time does come. Because if it does drop below two oh six, you know I may be buying a little bit more here and there. If it drops below, you know one the 190s if that happens that's when i'll be probably chunk pull putting in a lot more uh, a lot more cash in the in the baba i've done three things so do you want i'll start with my second you can do your second i'll talk about the third yep. the next two that i made and i i want to address a question that i got in my comment section today why didn't i do the leaps option like why why did i divert away from the poor man's covered call and go back to the wheel we don't have uh, level three options on Fidelity. You have to apply for that. We're not really too concerned with it. 
because I don't want to buy a leaps because as we mentioned, this could be over in a month. So it was like a little bit of a short term move. But the second two things I put in, I did cash secure puts. I did not buy 100 shares mostly. And here's the reason why I did it. It was a red day. So I write cash secure puts on red days and I write covered calls on green days. So Explain I, why. Okay. Because that is going to drive the value of the option. So as the stock is going up, that's increasing any options play for the buyer in the upward direction. So every option is based around really the buyer. All the stats and stuff talk about what's happening to the buyer, deltas, things like that. So when it's going green, the buyer is making money. How does the buyer make money? On the value of the option. So as it goes green, it pushes values higher. Now remember, I'm the writer of the buyer. I get that higher premium in that case. The same goes for the put. When we're in a red day, that's better for people that bought put options. They want the price to go down, so the value goes up. Why intrinsic, extrinsic value? That's We could talk about that another day. Yeah. So when I look to buy Apple, I didn't say I was going to buy 100 shares to myself. I logged in. I said, is Apple green or red today? Apple was green. I said, F it. I'm buying the 100 shares right now, and I'm going to get a higher premium for that. In the next set of moves, when I looked at Tattoo Chef and Vuzi, which are the two like growth stocks I'm most excited about in my own personal portfolio over the long term. Inside my options portfolio, I have leaps options on both of them. I actually have two leaps options on Vuzi and I've been selling covered calls. I have my Vuzi down to like $2 per share. They were red. They were on red days. So I did not buy the 100 shares and I just went into cash secure puts on Tattoo Chef and Vuzi right at the money because I was about to buy them if it was a green day. So I put it right at the money, highest amount of premiums. Right now, both of those are looking to get assigned, but that's that's good for me. And uh, actually, one of them is not getting assigned because I closed it, but we'll get to buy to close in a second. So that's really the reason why Apple was a buy 100 shares and sell a call. And the other two were CSPs because of that. And we did do cash secure. So like that took, when I put the 2100 and the 1700 up as collateral, I negated that from the 20,000 that I could use, which is why I couldn't just run the gamut right there. So I had those two. So then, so now standing after like a weekend, I had Apple, Apple Call, and then I had two puts, Tattoo Chef and Vuzi. I think uh, the Vuzi is a $17 strike and the Tattoo Chef was 20, but that's going to change. What was your second move? Uh, so my second move was a kind of one of my more speculative type plays. Um, but I am bullish on the company, and that's Palantir. I did a cash secured put on Palantir. I did one contract, so 100 shares, and it came out to be at the 22 strike. So you can see that collateral of $2,200. That is my second move. Right now, they are under the $22 strike price. So if they, if they stay under the 22, most likely we'll get assigned those 100 shares. Totally on board with that. Now, here's, here's the tricky part with Palantir that I'm a little worried well, first, let me say this. I'll have probably like one or two stocks I'll wheel. And Palantir is probably going to be one of them. I may get caught if we, they see a huge spike or something like that. I'll probably get caught, but I'm not too worried about it because I'll have some other like longer term, like Baba will be like one I just don't touch. I'll just leave it or be buying more. 
Uh, Palantir will probably be one I may wheel with, depending. I don't know. It, I, I, it's going to change on the day as I'm as I'm going and what I feel like. But Palantir is one of those stocks that I'm very bullish on. I own it in my own personal portfolio. But I also think that this may be like a three or four year, you know, type growth play until we really start seeing some, you know, I'll tell you this, as soon as Palantir can pull, can pull a profit and start showing some like net margin, you know, you know, not losing money. uh, That's where I think the stock will really take off. Now, when is that going to happen? I'm not sure, but what they have going on, you know, technology wise with the whole, you know, data software they're creating, they've been working with the government for 17 years on their Gotham portion of Palantir. The founder new portion is like more focused on, all the other sectors out there, the commercial space. So again, that may be a more longer term hold and it may not work out in my favor for this more shorter term type of competition, but it's still a stock I want to hold, you know, in the, in the portfolio, just in case we do see some, some crazy growth over the next year or two from Palantir, which we may not, but it's a chance I'm willing to take. And that's why I only got $2,200 in here. I thought you were going to chase a little premiums and I thought, the first thing I was, I knew, I knew I'd see Palantir eventually, but yeah. I thought you were going to open with Wish. Did you ever dabble with that? Because I know you were looking at the premiums have. and you and the premiums were nice. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to come out with Wish first. No, I Wish is too is too meme stock for me. Okay, and I'm not going I'm not going to do that in our in this portfolio. Uh, I do have it in my Robinhood portfolio. I've been I have been wheeling Wish. Uh, I got assigned 100 shares at 12. Right now, it's trading at like 9.98 or something like that. So it's gone down quite a bit. But I plan on holding it, and I think we'll see. Like right now, Wish is down because all the meme stocks and all the growth stocks are taking a big hit right now. Doesn't concern me whatsoever. Uh, again, it's a meme stock play for me. It's a speculative play. Uh, it's it's a play with money I've actually earned from other option plays in Robinhood. So it's like kind of house money I'm working with on that one. But no, that's not something I'm going to do here in ours. Um, no, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The main reason I still am pretty cash heavy is because I'm having a hard time buying some of these stocks at all time highs. You know, like when I saw you come out with Apple, it's like, damn, school. 52 week highs, some- Brad. You- yeah. You- yeah. <laughs> He's got some big old kahuna- kahunas. You know what I mean? But no, like, like, so, so my, my play is going to be Google. Well, let me, uh, if, let me ask you, I, let me stop you right here then. What's going to happen in the market tomorrow? No idea. No idea. You're like the guy at the roulette table that looks at that table, that looks at that but thing, you got, but you got think, and it's though, like Brad. black, 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 no, black, black. Not oh, true. the next one's going to be red. Not true. No? Because you got to think, think about this. This account may not be long-term. Right. So I'm a little more standoffish to just automatically unloading all my cash. My my Fidelity, my personal account, mm-hmm. would be totally... I'm, I'm buying Google and, and Fidelity right now. I'm buying my PayPal, which, you know, another stock at all-time highs. I'm still buying them. I just I'm buying them real slow, but I'm buying them. Okay. This because I know I'm going to hold them regardless for the next 20 years. So like yeah, valuations are high, but when I have a little extra cash, I'll throw them up some of those you know larger positions that I'm up in quite a bit. So let me ask you this because you said Google is going to be the move for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as we mentioned early in the episode, and let me just see if this is like true or if you thought about this angle, like. What's the worst kind of dip we're looking at? What's getting our face kicked in? Legitimately, we don't know that either. But last March we saw. I will tw- say this: we no, saw twenty two percent last last March. Nope. That's, let me say this: you think it's too high or too low? Too low. But hang on. <sighs> this this is what I'm. Th- or no, 
the the crash I think is the amount of percentage is too high. Yes, but listen, here's my theory. I don't th- I don't know if it, this is right, guys. This is a complete guess. I think within the next two to three years, once all this inflation kind of gets unwound and whatnot, could be completely wrong. This is just a guess, and there's no real logic behind it except just what history repeats itself. I am expecting a three to four year bear market. We've had such a huge increase in cash coming into the economy, cash coming into the stock market. There's going to be a, we haven't seen a bear market in 10 plus years. You can't even count COVID as a bear market because it was literally like a week and it was over. Yeah, but where, where's, the, where's the rules that say how often we have to have a bear market? There's no rules. But if you look at history, generally every 10 years, you come into some sort of bear market. So, all right. So let me, let me just finish up with what my point was going to be. Go ahead. Yeah. And we picked that $40,000 because we knew that we could take a little bit of a loss and maybe wait it out. Is Google, and this is really what I was thinking about with Apple, is Google and Apple a company where if we go into a bear market, they're not going to be the one of the ones that does eventually bounce back. That's the way I was thinking. Like if I put it in something that well, I didn't think had, if I didn't put it into a company that I didn't think was going to be around maybe possibly in 10 years, but there's some companies that we can be pretty sure have been that will be around for 10 years. Yes, but also the worry I have with that is being so heavily in a stock at this these levels is those very well could be the stocks that drop the hardest. Now, if that does happen, then yeah, the stock market's going to see a very large crash because Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft run the markets. They run the markets. So then we do CSPs and we win when we win on red days. Yeah, except I don't have what would that be? Two hundred fifty thousand dollars for Google <laughs> cash good puts. <laughs> Isn't that what I would need? Be a lot. Yeah, it'd be two, two hundred. It'd be quarter mil. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wish we had that kind of money. But um, no, dude. Like that. That's the thing, though. You know, some of these high valued stocks could very well be the ones that go. When they, and they may not be, dude. Like I'm not trying to fear monger here at all. Um, but I will say, with this being the type of account that it is, it makes me a little more standoffish to just automatically go buy those shares. To where in my personal fidelity portfolio, it's not. Bo- it's not bothering me at all. We're going to go into a bear market right when I want to retire. That would suck. But your wife's still working, so. Wi-Fi. That's right. It's a new type of financial independence, Wi-Fi. But then there's like, the, then there's- You'll still sh- be working though too. Though, but the like- chivalrous side of me wants to like, just be like, have my wife retire first. Even if I retire the next day, just be like, hey, I have this little goal. Can you retire before me, please? Just so I can fulfill the chivalry of knowing that I really- Took care of my lady, the lady that I love. <laughs> and then when but she, she likes her job, doesn't she? Oh, she's too much. Yeah, see, you don't need to do that. So I closed one of my options, and I wanted to talk about that because that was kind of like my third move, which led to today's insanity. I, in the wheel strategy and pretty much every option that I, I sell, I plan to close. I I will get to expiration if I'm out if I'm in the money. Because I'm not going to protect my wheels because I, I don't mind. I don't fear assignment. I love it. But if it is out of the money and the value of that option changes where I can lock in profit, the goal when you sell options, whether it's puts or calls, and this is my opinion, but 
amongst many of my peers, when you write options, your goal is to get in, collect premium, and then as soon as you're happy with the premium, get out. So how many times have we seen, JJ, a guy selling options and on Thursday, he's like 60, 70% profit and he's all good. He's like, there's no way this is getting assigned. And then Friday morning, gone. Boom. Now I said, we don't fear assignment, but when it's Wednesday or Thursday, like Wednesday, Thursday, the last two days, those are my closing days. Why that happened today. When I can lock in profit, although I'm not afraid of getting assigned, I I don't, I, worthless is great. And when I close, now I can roll out to a further date. Mm-hmm. So I have pretty much two closing criteria that I want to bring with anybody that's never seen my videos on it. When I wheel, as soon as it gets to like 70, 70% max, when, when I'm in that 65 to 75, depending on how far we are out from expiration and how much that premium really was, I'm probably going to lock that up. I'm going to buy to close. I'm going to give 20%, 25% of the premium back to the guy or the mm-hmm. girl. I'm going to give it right back and then I'm going to roll the option. And if you're getting 75%, that means that the strike has moved so far away from the share price that you could probably change your strike price in a favorable position for you and just go out one week. Now, if it's a monthly, like what happened with Tattoo Chef in here, and I say people with that hate on monthlies, once a week, they're week, uh, once a month, they're weeklies. So- the strike, I mean, the expiration for Tattoo Chef and Vuzi, coincidentally, are this Friday. So this is like a weekly for me. But like if you have three weeks to your next expiration, it's a monthly, we're talking seven weeks, I, I might stick around a little bit longer and try and get 80 and see exactly what happens because you have some data to help you out. But when I wheel, once I get like 60 70%, and I very rarely have gotten screwed, I just give, I'll, I'll give 25% back to keep 75 to be able to roll in a more favorable position for me. Now, in the poor man's covered call, this is a little different. And if you don't know what the poor man's covered call is, instead of having 100 shares, you're using a leaps option and essentially you're still selling calls. You're selling covered calls against a leaps option instead of shares. In this one, I make sure that I close at like 40% or even 50s max, no matter what day it is, whether it's I I sell weeklies in my poor man covered call, but if it's if I make that trade on Monday and by the end of the day Monday it gets to fifty percent, I'm closing that. I'm starting over tomorrow because in the poor man's covered call, because you're losing leaps options and you're not using hundred shares, you have to protect that leaps because you make more money faster as the share price goes up than you'll make getting assigned. So sometimes you roll at a loss to protect that leaps. I talk about it all the time my channel and in my Discord. So here, what happened with Tattoo Chef? I knew the weekly was coming on Friday. It was 60%. And I was dabbling in the August 16th option chain. And Tattoo Chef was red pretty much this whole week. And I said, man, I could close. I think I closed for like 50%, 40%. The reason I did is that option that I made on Monday for this Friday, I got like $41. And I was able to close for like 20 but I looked at August 16th and I could get 331 for an at the money. And like I said, I don't I don't even mind. I think it was a dollar more. I think it was like 2150 or even maybe 2250. This is a share that I'm very bullish on. I think it's going to go up. And it's been up before, especially when it gets into these big bigger retail stores. So I'm like, "All right, August 16th, I will pay 2250 because I think on August 16th it's going to be more than that." 
So I'm like, I'll pay more than that. It'll probably expire worthless. And now that I know more about options, I know the likelihood of getting assigned early is next to nothing, especially when you're not using a dividend stock because sometimes you'll get assigned early because people can make up extrinsic value loss by collecting a dividend. That's not going to happen here. So the share price is 20. I bought one of the first in the money options as far as like the covered call. First time I've ever done it really in my life. It might actually be the first time because I knew about all these things that I've learned. So the share price is here. I could get automatically assigned right away as soon as I made the trade, but I knew it wasn't going to happen. So, but now between August, I have between now and August 16th for that price to go above 2250. And the premium I collected was $331 on that. So I took four, and here's another reason why you buy to close. I started with a $40 premium. I gave 20 back to the dude to get 331. Yeah. That's why you buy to close. And that's that's the power of rolling your options up and out in a favorable position. You have to look at the net, right? So many times we look at buying to close sucks because I have to give back premium and I don't want to shrink this premium that I just got. But then when you take the when you stop doing like Monday, Friday weeklies and you start closing and working in really a two week for uh, a two week for weeklies and maybe a six weeks for monthlies. It just changes the the rolling of your options. So I mean, between that three thirty one, the twenty that I locked in for closing it, and another forty, I'm I, I'm up like four hundred, not counting the Apple unrealized capital gains. I'm like almost up like six hundred bucks this week. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy stuff, man. So what's your next move, man? What are we gonna see? So I've been thinking, and I'm not sure yet. It'll it'll be another like kind of smaller position. It wouldn't be a fourteen, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollar buy in. Are you not against like when I said before that every move of mine was going to be options based? Where's options on your like list of criteria? Uh, probably like fifty percent. Okay, so you th- like, you're gonna you're strictly trying to get a growth thing. Yeah. You're going growth stocks. I'm looking for growth, but value. Like I'm trying to find the stocks that I think will have growth over the next few months or year or two and that are trading at a value right now, Baba being one of that. It fit that criteria perfect. See, and this goes like to the two types of traders where you love analytics. And I mentioned this in yeah. my video today, like you like f- shopping for deals, just like real estate. You love yeah. you love finding a good deal where I'm like, I don't know. I like time. looking at the numbers. I, I don't have time for deals. Yeah. Let, let's get in and out. But yeah, no, you look and I don't know if that's going to be. It, I think it really depends on yeah, it on how long it goes because I think my strategy is definitely favored by short term, and yours sure. is long term. And I don't know if subliminally I'm like, man, I hope we get a real estate property and then we can end this. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you keep making a six hundred dollar week, I'm I'm happy to keep going, dude. I know, right? <laughs> Jeez. It's better than it's better than two two fifty a door for a real estate property. Yeah, no doubt, dude, no doubt. So no, my next stock I'm looking at, it's not a for sure. It's so it's funny. I actually just saw this pop up in the chat, and that's funny. Everyday family just said SoFi for the win, JJ. That's actually a stock I've been looking at. Uh, that's not the one I'm I'm looking to be the next move, but that is definitely one that's on the list. So it's funny you brought that up. But dude, AMC's been getting hammered. All of the meme stocks, all of the growth stocks are all been getting hammered lately. Canopy growth got hit 5% or something like that. Cannabis has been getting hit heavy. Till raise, yeah. Yep, everything. So I'm maybe looking at like, and see, this is another problem with not knowing how long the portfolio is going to last. 
But I was like, okay, well, maybe I buy in a little bit. If AMC keeps dipping, just buy a little bit here and there, a couple shares, whatever, and then build up a little nice little foundation piece in AMC, wait for another pop. If it happens, it may not. It may not. Another reason why I'm not putting 10, 15K into it, but also look at something possibly like I looked at a, I looked at a cannabis ETF. Uh, MSOS? Which one? No, I think it was THC. Oh, I like it. Yeah, M- MSOS, I think, is a Canadian uh, like exchange traded fund. That's a pretty okay. one, too. I think it's MSOS. I think THC is the one I looked at, and it was like a 0.89% expense ratio. I was like, eh, nah. Because, I, I mean, dude, cannabis blew up. Uh, back when Biden, you know, became president because of, you know, thoughts of legalization in the U.S. and whatnot. I still think it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And I also think if two years from now or whenever the next presidency is, if another Repu- if a Republican gets back in office, I don't think that's going to do anything good for cannabis stocks. I personally don't because that's just not high on their priority list. So it, it, that's one of those things I'm like, eh, I, may, I may hold off on that for a bit and see what happens in the next couple of years. But uh, I really do like canopy growth. I've always liked them. AMC is a possibility. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough though, man. Like, I'm like, well, why don't I just shove everything into a nice dividend stock? But I was like, I'll get hammered and gr- I'll get slaughtered in growth. And, and you'll get slaughtered by me because my video. That's co- what I mean. I'm do- I, I've am i been saying I'm going to do it. This week's video is I quit options. I mean, I quit uh, dividend stocks. I'm oh, just, yeah. I'm, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. It's going to be fun, though. It'll be fun to see we how... We think... Because um, people are asking about... I did the video today on my channel. I needed content and I just got back from Denver. But maybe we'll go like every other week on our yeah, on our regular channels. We'll... We'll, we're not going to make a weekly episode and we're not going to talk about it. We can kind of talk about it on here, maybe like outside the episode in the chats and stuff when we start because um, I do like to talk smack. But maybe we'll like alternate weeks. So like next week mm-hmm. you'll give the update and let you talk some some ish to me on, on YouTube and things like that. But When Apple's trading at like 120. <laughs> yeah, wait for a good week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do want to add some value even to the group of people listening to and kind of go like full circle the main point i think the best part of what jj and i are doing is take youtube out of this and everything aside right at the end of the day we're just a bunch of guys that sit around and we talk about money and we're trying to make money not taboo and so many people are betting on the McGregor fights and so many people are playing fantasy baseball or getting ready to play fantasy football and they're all doing with these with their friends or maybe they're in a softball league, whatever, whatever it is. What we do with our friends is we talk money and find a friend that, you know, might want to do like a little competition because I'm telling you, it's, it changed your mindset. When it's you, you have like, it's easy, set and forget it. But when you are trying to like compete and you are trying to like, it's fun. Squeeze out a couple pennies here and there. You're not going to like YOLO it because it really, it's your money. So it's like, it's not like somebody gave you or it's not like you're paper trading and people gave you the money. Let me step in here real quick. Yeah. Uh, one of my goals that I had from the beginning with this podcast is to really create a movement, like a, a community around the average money name. And you know how you said, you know, go find friends or something, you know, that, that you can do this with. And to be honest, as you and I both know, that's a, that's a lot harder to do than than just go out and ask your, your local buddies because probably majority, most of them don't give two shits about this stuff. That my goal is with this average money community is to build a big enough community to where there's friendships that are being made 
through the average money community, through the Facebook group, through the Discord, whatever it may be. Or who knows, dude, one day we have the little uh, local meetups with average money. You know, that would be, that would just blow my mind. That would be the coolest thing. You and I could fly out to like a local meetup in freaking Portland, Oregon or wherever the hell it would be, you know, or whatever. Um, That would be awesome. And that's kind of like my end goal with this is just to have a community set up to where like friendships and stuff can be kind of, you know, people can meet in their local areas because they know about the average money community. Yeah, no, this is... Even there, like if you're in the Discord and you're cool with somebody in Discord, like DM, be like, hey. Yeah. Do you want to put 50 bucks? you want to put 10 bucks? It doesn't matter the amount of money. The, the amount of money we use is arbitrary. I almost didn't want to tell people, but they would have known by our move. But, and I, dude, I've done this with my buddies with like 25 bucks in crypto where we. Yeah. And it's just a way to stem conversation and a way to talk about money with your friends. When I'm doing this with JJ, like we don't know that there are unknowns. It, it, it's a game. And I hate to, like I said, mentioned earlier in the episode, I don't want to make money a game because I know there's a, still a lot of people struggling with money, but I'm not also going to say that we're not and not be proud of the work that we did to get where we are with money. So like if you're feeling like sketched out and you're like, well, F these guys talking about how they can throw around 40 grand. We worked our asses off for that. And and you can do it too, right? Yeah. You you can get there. And we were having these f- like friendly – dude, two years ago, we – on the Super Bowl, we bet one share of Budweiser, and I think you took one share of Canopy Growth, right? Canopy Growth. Yeah. So like we've been betting stocks. We didn't bet yeah. money. We were like 25 bucks. We're like, no, no, no. I want a stock. I wanna, I'm drinking Budweiser. I'm getting Budweiser, and you buy me a share of this. And – that's something that's been going on in our lives for years. So, and that was 25 bucks. Yeah. So find that friend, even if it's not a money challenge, you know, at least use it as a way to open up the door to get there. Yeah. That was a good one, Brad. Yeah. You want to sign us off and then we'll hang out in the chat for a little bit? I, I do. I do want to do that because I still have a little bit of my beer left. I'm going to open another one because I saw a few good questions in here too. So, all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I think, uh, once again, we got some voicemails, so I know we said we're not going to get rid of voicemails, so next Monday's episode will definitely be about um, some of the voicemails. Probably do a few of them. Yeah, we might do a couple and get them in there. Um, Still on track to keep doing these lives every single Wednesday. If you are listening on one of your streaming devices and you're not doing anything around 8.30 Eastern time, you know, hop on chat with us the the group is getting bigger every single week we're starting to see some familiar faces in the chat too and thanks so much and we will talk to you next one cheers